It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Although gas prices have begun to drop slightly across the country, polling shows inflation is the number one issue on the minds of Americans heading into the midterms. And after President Biden's trip to the Middle East, he faces criticism on multiple fronts. The administration says, isn't it great prices are down, but if you speak to the person trying to make ends meet in a household, a hundred bucks to fill a, 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 a truck, they're struggling. For this and more, we bring in our panel, former South Carolina Congressman Trey Gowdy, Democratic strategist, syndicated talk show host, Leslie Marshall, and Fox News congressional correspondent, Chad Pergo. Uh, Chad, up on Capitol Hill, a lot of moving parts as always, uh, but in the wake of this Middle East trip, a lot of focus on the price of gas and inflation and congressmen especially getting ready to go to districts that are pretty unhappy. That's right. This is the problem, the albatross that has been slung around the necks of Democrats here. And Republicans have done a pretty good job of doing it, uh, you know, basically saying, look, you know, it is one party government, House, Senate, White House here. Uh, they're to blame. That's a layup for Republicans right now. Uh, they're even able to say, look, uh, you know, this bill that uh, they were trying to move through a, a scaled down version of a domestic spending package. Uh, they were going to say, look, that was going to be extra spending and that's going to contribute to inflation. I just posed a question to Mitch McConnell, the Senate Minority Leader, a couple of moments ago here about whether or not $52 billion in a so-called scaled-down bill just for chips and semiconductors, which is something they're trying to move through the Senate and the House in the next couple of weeks, if that was too big, because, again, you've even had some Republicans, including Steve Scalise, the Republican whip from Louisiana, saying, again, that it is too expensive, especially for one industry. So this is something that Republicans are able to hammer Democrats on as they go into November and say they are, because, you know, you can blame them because of inflation here. Now, whether or not if Republicans get control of Congress, if they can do anything about it, then they can continue to beat up uh, President Biden for the next two years as they approach 2024. Yeah, Leslie, the Democrats seem um, split and it's not just Joe Manchin anymore. It, it seems like there's a, a growing uh, concern about the direction in which the administration and leadership is taking the party. No question about that. And it's not just a split in my party between people like myself that are centrist and moderate Democrats versus the AOCs and the Bernie Sanders who are uh, more progressive and uh, lean uh, further left. 
And I would even say Joe Manchin is, you know, to the right of me. Some people would say not even a Democrat. He just has a D and his cape is a little bit purple, not uh, totally blue. Um, look, you know, that you have to look at the facts and the facts are historically voters care number one, two, three, four and five about the economy and this election coming up in the midterms. Uh, th- there is no difference with that. There are people that scratch their head and they say, well, you know, gas prices are going down. Jobs are going up. So how come inflation keeps going up when you have prices going down? Now, of course, economists can, you know, you know, argue that. But the message is clear and the president has pointed to this before. Voters are going to blame the person in power, Joe Biden, and the party in power, Democrats. And and that's why, you know, I'm bracing myself for what, you know, is probably coming uh, in the midterms uh, this fall, at least in in the House. I mean, I'm I'm certainly not going to go to Vegas with regard to the Senate, but, you know, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not sure Nancy Pelosi will be a, a speaker come fall. Uh, you know, the problem for me as a Democrat, and I think within the party, is, is a number of things. One, messaging. And I say messaging, not blaming the media when I say messaging, but blaming my party and, you know, blaming, in a sense, this administration, because, you know, there's not the touting of good things. And you can't just say Roe v. Wade was overturned when that's not top five on the hit parade of voters, uh, even most Democratic voters. So I think Republicans, uh, to Chad's point, I would agree with them. I think Republicans have done a fantastic job uh, hammering my party on the economy. And Democrats have not been doing a fantastic job showing things that are positive about the economy and what could be going forward. Right. This seems, as you get into this environment, to be a layup for Republicans. But there are cautious Republicans out there saying we got, you have a long way to go until November. And the party has been known to shoot itself in the foot before. Yeah, well, I think the only reason they say that, Brett, is because that's exactly what's happened. Uh, They managed to find a candidate in Delaware uh, who could not win a Senate seat and had to take out an ad to tell the world she was not a witch. They found the only person in the state of Nevada that could not beat Harry Reid. Danny Tarkanian could. That's just not who they nominated. So the Senate, to Leslie's point, that's a jump ball at best. Uh, The House... I think the Dobbs decision may possibly have made the margin a little narrower, but uh, but then Republicans, okay, so, so, so now you have the House. How are you going to set expectations? The reality is you may can stop things you perceive as bad, but you really can't do anything your base thinks is good. And in the past, Republicans have been dreadful at setting the proper expectations for their constituencies. Yeah, and Chad, you know, meantime, Congress is trying to get things across the finish line, namely this CHIPS bill, with, which deals with semiconductors and really is a, a challenge to China um, and the effort to, to, to bring that production back home. Is there consensus on this? Have they figured that one out? Not quite. In fact, uh, you know, there's going to be a test vote here in the Senate to see if they can get 60 votes. They don't need 60 votes on this test vote. But the idea, if you get 60 votes, that tells you down the line that they can get 60 votes to actually, you know, finish debate eventually on this bill. In fact, Mitch McConnell, the minority leader, indicated that he wasn't willing to to forge ahead on this until he knew what they were going to be voting on yet. Uh, There's not consensus at all. And there's not consensus among Democrats in the House of Representatives. 
Gina Raimondo, the Secretary of Commerce, has been to the Capitol three out of the last four working days. And I did an interview with her yesterday, and she said, look, we want to scale this bill just down to chips. Take some of these trade provisions out, some of these tax provisions, which were passed in the House of Representatives. What, what you have here, Brett, is an the impasse. The Christmas tree. In, in a it's conference. The Christmas tree. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. And so there is a conflict in the conference committee to work this out. The Senate passed one version, the House passed another. And uh, Richard Neal, the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, says he prefers the House bill. Uh, Earl Blumenauer, Democrat from Oregon, says he prefers the House bill, some of the trade positions there as well. So eventually Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, has to peel some of those folks off. And Gina Raimondo, who said in my interview with her uh, earlier this week, do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I said, is your message really to Democrats? And she was meeting with the Blue Dog Democrats here, if that tells you anything. You know, she's been meeting exclusively with Democrats the past couple of days here to try to convince them and also convince members of Congress that this is a national security issue. The idea that you have to have, you know, American-made ships in fighter jets and, you know, military equipment and so on and so forth so that it is not hacked or that it doesn't malfunction eventually or something that they, you know, the Chinese could do in a nefarious fashion to this. That is the concern because the United States has really fallen behind in that. So that's the posturing that they're presenting this to, uh, to the Democrats and Republicans in the House of Representatives. But this is not settled just yet. And looking into my crystal ball here, Brett, the August recess is approaching. The congressional baseball game is the end of next week. I will put money on the table at Las Vegas that that uh, baseball game next week is when the president and the speaker work the members in the dugouts during the game because they're trying to finish this bill right before the August recess. And that will all come down at the end of next week, probably at the baseball game, because we have seen that before on other major issues, including the infrastructure bill last year, which was eventually passed, but not passed in the summer or a failed effort to get an Asian trade agreement several years ago with President Obama. Yeah, the national pastime coming to the rescue, possibly. Um, Trey, you've been there. You've seen how this operates and, and how the sausage is made. Um, as you get closer to an election, any election, legislating becomes harder. Uh, that is true. Um, what has gotten even worse, I think, since I left is um, there's really no hierarchy left in Congress. I mean, the fact that you're a chairperson of a committee is far less relevant than how many TikTok followers you have. So this whole notion of fame, um, the fact that there are a freshman and sophomore members of Congress who have as much influence, maybe not power, but influence as folks that have been there for decades, that's something new and and how leadership can deal with that i think what's also bad brett is when you think the ship is going down um you you begin to look for your own life jacket and not necessarily uh helping a whole bunch of other people the consensus is they're going to lose the house i think you're going to see people looking for what's in their own best interest and not what's in uh, leadership's best interest all right we're going to take a quick pause here we'll be back after this Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. So what about all these stories, uh, Leslie, you know, coming from inside the White House? And, and I'm talking not conservative publications. I'm talking the Washington Post, the New York Times, the New Yorker. 
claiming that the president, uh, they have concerns about the president. They have, and there are more and more calls that he doesn't run. And there are more and more calls for, to find another candidate. Ahead of a midterm election, that's pretty serious stuff. Yes, it is. It's also very serious stuff that I just agreed with 100% of what Trey said, and I'm, I'm still, I'm not drinking yet, so I, I haven't <laughs> been able to move past that. Um, but uh, look, um, in all seriousness, President Biden is a lifelong career politician, and he will do what is best, not just for the country, but for the party. And I say that because right now, Joe Biden has no plans to listen to uh, a New York Times poll or to anybody in the media, pundits, you know, a person like myself. Uh, but he will listen to people in his parties and leader, leaders in his party if it comes to that. And if they have a discussion at the table and a come to Jesus moment where they say, you need to step aside because we're going to lose here. You're going to lose here. And and I think he is somebody that might step aside. I think Republicans would have a hard time doing that with Donald Trump, and I don't think he would step aside because you see the polling doesn't go so well for him. Um, but but then again, you also have to have the right candidate to put forth. And I have to say, I I honestly shudder uh, at, at the thought of of putting up a candidate um, to go up against uh, the president of the United States, uh, who is a Democrat. You know, who is uh, you know the president in my party sitting in the Oval Office. That makes me very uncomfortable. Um, you know, everybody wants to win their elections. You're not going to win all the elections. You know, th things go up, things go down. Sometimes it's one term, sometimes it's two, only in the case of FDR to go further. Um, but, you know, it, it bothers me, and this fragmentation within the party and these discussions bother me as well, because it, it smells desperate and reeks of desperation, and I don't like that. You look at what you have and you say, you know, where do we need to fight? To Trey's point, um, you know, the returning of, of Roe v. Wade, you know, helps. It's not the game changer in some districts that Democrats thought it would be. But the January 6th, uh, you know, commission has been a game changer in some of those districts when you look at some of the polling out there. So work with what you have in the various districts. You know, again, positive messaging on the economy. The districts where it's going to matter, you know, that you tout Roe v. Wade or, or, or guns or January 6th, you know, you do that. But you don't say throw the captain off the ship because you're fearful it's sinking. Last thing, Chad, you mentioned that Leslie mentions the January 6th committee. This Thursday, it goes prime time yet again. Um, they have made a case uh, publicly um, about the... Um, decision-making of President Trump, and they've made a case politically against President Trump, uh, the former president, but a lot of legal experts say they have not made a case criminally yet. Do, do you have a sense of where the committee's going? It remains to be seen if they send over to the Department of Justice any criminal referrals. Uh, that's something that they have played close to their vest. Uh, and sometimes it seems that Benny Thompson, the chair of the committee, and Liz Cheney, the ranking Republican, have not been on the same page on that score. Uh, it's unclear, frankly. But it's not necessarily that, that they send a referral down to DOJ to prosecute somebody in this case. Uh, the idea is that they are trying to put a dent uh, in fact, a really big dent in President Trump. Liz Cheney said something at the beginning of this process last year. She said that we can never allow Donald Trump near the Oval Office again. And this was always advertised to me starting last year that this was truly the third impeachment 
of President Trump. This was pre-impeachment. And you started to see this attrition in his poll numbers a little bit here in the past few weeks where he's under 50% among Republican voters, according to the New York Times. Uh, Mitch McConnell, the minority leader, says that he thinks it's going to be a crowded field. His words going into 2024 on the Republican side of the aisle. That, frankly, probably helps uh, Mr. Trump a little bit. But the idea that they can make this case about what happened on January 6th and, and this you know, hearing that's coming up on Thursday might be one of the most revealing ones because there's this question about what the president was doing when the riot was going on at the Capitol. He had the full resources of the federal government at his beck and call to try to, you know, foam the flames up here at the Capitol. That did not happen. So what was he doing, in fact? Was he, in fact, somehow tacitly, you know, endorsing all of that during the, that, that time? And that's something that, you know, certainly that message has resonated with a certain population of voters on the left. OK, that case does not meet, need to be made. But there's that, that set of voters in the middle some who might have been willing to vote for President Trump uh, the first time might have held their nose and voted for him the second time. But if he runs in 2024 after they hear about this, they might not be willing a third time. So they don't necessarily need to send a criminal referral down there. Uh, that's the key. And whether or not that would even do anything. You know, there's been some talk here that if the president, if the president, in fact, were to run, that this kind of semi inoculates him uh, from uh, fr from prosecution because he could say, oh, this is all political or something like that. Again, it would depend what the charge would be. But something like that would be extraordinary. You would have to have the committee say we're going to vote on this and the full House of Rep Representatives vote on this. And again, it's we're down to a four vote margin right now in the House. Uh, so that's going to be a tight vote. And then you'd have to have DOJ, in fact, take that up, which is what they've done, say, in the prosecutions here of Steve Bannon and also uh, Peter Navarro. Yeah. And last thing, Trey, I mean, I've talked about this before, but it is a little antithetical on the Democrat side politically. I mean, Liz Cheney, of course, doesn't want uh, Donald Trump anywhere near the White House ever again. But and and while Democrats don't want him near the White House, they may want to run against him as a wounded candidate. Uh, and yet they may be doing such a good job that they affect that possibility. Yeah, I got two observations, Brett. Number one, I could not have said it any better than you just did. I think uh, the the January 6th hearings and the investigation has done more to broaden the GOP primary field in 2024 than anything any Republican could have done. So if their objective was to, you know, get President Trump to be the nominee, but then kind of knock him out in November they may have overshot their goal. Uh, the other point I would make is, look, Brett, there's no group in the world with more investigative power than the Department of Justice. The things they can do to gather evidence. So why in the world would the Department of Justice need to rely on or wait for a committee of Congress to refer any matter for prosecution? I mean, why don't Leslie and I refer somebody for, for like bank robbery? I mean, what, what, who cares what a committee thinks about criminality when the Department of Justice has access to grand juries and surveillance techniques and they can make you come and answer their questions under oath? They don't have to, like, get the U.S. attorney in the District of Columbia to enforce their contempt. They are contempt. So why in the world is DOJ waiting around for a congressional committee to decide whether or not a crime has been committed? I, that just vexes me, and I used to do that for a living. 
<laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know the answer to that question. Um, and who knows? Maybe something more is happening inside DOJ. Um, we'll take a look at that as well and cover it all. Thank you all. Now for a bit of history. On July 19th, 1848, the first ever Women's Rights Convention was held in Seneca Falls, New York. The two-day convention was led by activists such as Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Lucretia Mott. The Seneca Falls Convention became the launching point for the women's suffrage movement, a right that was realized when the 19th Amendment was passed by Congress in 1919 and then finally ratified into law on August 18, 1920. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Chad, Leslie, and Trey, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.